0: I had a realization the other day that my kids will always know me as an author. They will also always know me as someone who goes out for runs several mornings a week. Both of these identities were previously in the realm of impossible. Me, an author? How would I, an outgoing extrovert who hates to sit still and write, find the discipline to stick with writing long enough to produce a book worth publishing? Me, a runner? To be honest, I'm still having a hard time identifying with this term, but I'm not sure what else to call myself when I'm getting up and running two to four, that's right, four miles several days a week. This identity was the antithesis of how I saw myself, but for my kids, it will just be a part of who I am and they won't know or see the struggle that came before. And as of later this month, my kids who are not quite two and four years old will always know me as a TEDx speaker. This was so outside my life goals that I didn't even dare add it to my goal list for 2019. until so my business coach, Dory Clark, named it for me. What all of these achievements have in common is that they required consistent commitment. Without that, I'd have a few dozen pages of text saved in a Google Doc that I'd refer to as my book in progress, but I wouldn't be able to hold a physical copy of an actual book. If my words had stayed hidden, I wouldn't be hearing from readers about how my book shifted the way they approach building relationships for their business and life. If I hadn't committed to my first 5K soon after my first few trial runs, while I felt ill-prepared but confident in my ability to get ready, I wouldn't be experiencing the awe of being able to run four miles. If I hadn't set a goal of running one 5K per month for the rest of 2019, I wouldn't have stayed consistent with my training runs or push myself to run farther and faster. TEDx is a big deal for anyone, but for me, it will help prospective clients see how I can help their association, inspire lifelong membership, and create great experiences for first-timers their annual conference. My talk is about how to make connections when you feel like an outsider. I hired a big deal business coach to get the kick in the pants I needed to even set this goal. She helped me craft my pitch and then I applied to 11 TEDx events before being selected for one in my own backyard, which means my Boston friends and supporters will be there to cheer me on. Your challenge for this week, what are you willing to do to achieve your big goals? Whatever it is, commit to doing it consistently. Don't fall into the trap of being perfect. You won't be. The day will definitely come when you don't get up and do the thing you said you do daily to achieve your big goal. Get up the next day and make it happen. Commit to consistency and achieve great things. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, onto this week's show. Today's guest teaches people how to make first impressions count. As a keynote speaker and corporate trainer, she helps individuals and organizations discover how people make up their minds very quickly and empowers them to influence the success of their own career. She uses her extensive expertise and multicultural background to work for companies, professionals, and politicians whose first impressions are important. She uses a cutting-edge approach and a competitive mindset to take her audiences on an entertaining journey to reveal how the world sees them and how to leverage it for their success. She is the author of Image for Leadership, the creator of How You Impress, and the co-owner of the Studio for Image Professionals. Please join me in welcoming Sylvie DiGiusto.
1: I'm so excited to be with you. Thank you so much. What an honor to be with you on your show.
0: Sylvie, thank you for joining us from your new home office in Tampa, mm-hmm. Florida. Uh, I used to see you all the time running around New York. And so it's cool to see your new digs. And as you know, this is a podcast about uh, leadership and building strong networks. So, So tell me, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead?
1: Well, how do I... Define leadership? Very good question to start because I define it as a very, very, very big responsibility somebody gives you. And usually they give you responsibility for two things one for humans, for human beings, or two for finances, or for both, right? And uh, while most people probably say um, a good leader is somebody who is kind, who is approachable, who is nice who takes care of humans and finances, I always try to approach the other side um, from that responsibility point of view and say, this is a huge responsibility you have and being kind and nice and approachable uh, and a good person is just a basic that everybody should bring with him or her. But in addition, you have this big responsibility. And I want you to treat that responsibility with respect. So if there is one word that I personally and professionally think is crucial for leadership, it is respect.
0: I have to say, I love it.
1: Respect to yourself, but respect to every other human being, but also respect for the big responsibility in terms of finances you have for that organization. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Sylvie, I have now done nearly 200 episodes and no one has ever sort of succinctly said that, but you're right. Without that, you know, well, we're actually kind of seeing some examples of what happens when we don't have respect in leadership and leadership isn't respecting the people that are following them and vice versa. So Mm -hmm. you really Mm -hmm. have to have that. And do you think it, there's a self-respect too? Like you have to exactly. kind of... Yeah, yeah. yourself yeah. Well,
1: because respect has uh, several layers. And I think the base, the most important one is actually to start with yourself, right? If you do not respect yourself or if you do not show respect to yourself, it will be very difficult to show respect to others. And that starts with simple concepts like Let's take as an example, self-care, right? Uh, When it comes to my work, when I talk about first impressions and the image of leadership, very often I encourage people and say, it's a very simple concept that you also can watch with people in the public eye when they make major changes in, in their visual appearance or their behavior and communication, because the moment you take care of yourself, people think you have the ability to take care of them too. If you don't take care of yourself, however, they don't trust you that you have the capability to take care of them too. So I always encourage leaders and non-leaders to start with themselves and show respect to themselves first because guess what? You are the most important person in your life it's it's not your mom, it's not your dad, it's not your spouse, it's not your children, it's not your boss, it's not your team members, it's not human resources, it's not whoever you think of at the moment, first and foremost, and that might sound selfish to some, but you are the most important person in your life.
0: Mm, there's, there's so much good there. I almost wanted to say so much tweetable there, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure we will. So <laughs> when did you start to to realize that you have those skills, or did someone see that in you?
1: Mm-hmm. So I have a long corporate um, career. Was 20 years in human resources, and during that time, I considered myself what I call a second row leader. I'm a very good second row leader. So I'm good in the background, helping somebody else shine, right? And giving them the platform and the environment that they can show their superpowers. So I've for a very long time uh, worked for some of the most successful CEOs in Europe, but always in the second row and always in the shadow. And I do think that this is also a leadership skill. Right. Very often, people think that leadership only means to be in the first row. Right? It means to be have the fame, have the title, have the position. But I truly believe that good leaders, first and foremost, use their shine to put the spotlight on others. To be the one who pushes them on the stage, to be the one who applauds first, to be the one who is ready for the standing ovation, to be the one who finds gifts and talents in others and uh, helps them to shine, to be the first role leader. Because again, very simple concept. I believe that good leaders do not create more followers. Good leaders create more Good leaders or great Mm -hmm. leaders, right? And so I think I always had that gift to be a a second, a good second row leader uh, until I had a mentor who said, "I took advantage of this long enough. Now it's your turn. I'm going to push you out there in the first row." And luckily, he was with me for a very long time because I made all the mistakes every leader in the first row could make.
0: You know, for some reason, maybe it's because I know that you do all this work around uh, image. I keep thinking about window dressing and Mm -hmm. that window dressing is as important to the object in the window, right? As the object itself, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Like if it's just the object sitting there, it's not going to ever look as good. You need all those other things around it. So like having someone who's going to jump to their feet and be the first to lead the uh, standing ovation is a great example, Mm -hmm,
1: you know, mm -hmm, because that's mm -hmm.
0: leadership, and supporting the other person. So second row leadership, I never thought of that, but I like the idea. I'm actually curious if we if we dig back earlier than your 20 year history of being in HR, what was life like when you were growing up? Were you a kid who organized other friends in the playground? Were you kind of shy and quiet? Did you run for office? Did you have oh like God. a little business
1: selling something? Like, well, what
0: were you like?
1: I mean, now we are going way, way back, right? Into childhood. And, you know, I grew up very different than probably the average American child. Uh, The accent that you handle here, that's a Spanish grandmother, an Italian grandfather, a French father, and an Austrian mother. And uh, so there was always good food, good wine, and good hair involved in our family. That was never an issue. And so when I grew up, it was always... Celebrating life. I think we have just that genetic code in the South of Europe that you celebrate life very differently than I would assume American children grow up. And so I look back to a wonderful, wonderful childhood childhood. Uh, that was outside with a lot of freedom, with a lot of food, with a lot of family, with a lot of emotions, with a lot of music, with a lot of dancing, with a lot of freedom. However, just on a side note, personal story, my brother told me when um, I was five years old, so he's he's 10 years older than I am, when I was five years old, it was the first time that he heard me say when people ask me, what do you want to be when you are grown up? And while I said, I want to be a firefighter, I want to be a nurse, I want to be a teacher, the first time that I said, I want to be an American. Wow. So there was always something in me that wanted to be here and that wanted to explore that part of the world and this culture here.
0: And so where were you growing up? Is this in Germany?
1: Uh, it was uh, in France and in Austria, and then I moved to Germany, and, and you know, all all over Europe. So, do you
0: think the fact that you did move around so much also played a factor in sort of how you built connections? Like, when you moved to a new area, did you quickly find a circle of people, or was that hard for you?
1: No, 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 very, very quickly. Because I think that's the that's the charm of moving somewhere new that you don't have another chance. You know, you don't have another chance other than connecting with new people all the time. And in fact, I'm very lucky that my children grow up in a similar world that we lived in New York City for 10 years, right? And uh, there are a lot of expats that come into New York City, live there for one or two years and then go out. And now they have friends all over the world and always have people to connect with. So I think for my own network, it was helpful that I never had that home base for 20 years with all the same people. I was constantly around and constantly with other people.
0: And that you see it as an asset. I mean, like, I think other people could be in a situation for various reasons where they've moved a lot and found it real difficult to start over. But you're saying it's almost like going back to what you do today, another opportunity for a first impression.
1: Yes. yes, Right? If you stay for
0: 20 years and you did something silly in third grade, Everyone's probably still talking about (laughs) it. (laughs) If you move, start over again. Start fresh. Fresh, No one knows about that thing. Yeah. I mean, that that's really interesting. But it also says something probably a little bit about your personality and how it shines through. And having an older sibling to look up to, I think also can be very inspiring and also like daunting, you know, to to follow in their footsteps. But they're so far ahead that you're not like exactly. You're not like a year ahead where you're like, Oh, the teachers remember me. (laughs) You know, like So, as you made your way to the states, like how old were you when that when that transition happened
1: well, it took quite a while. It took until I was thirty six and when I already gave up right before that I tried all things I applied for schools I applied. Uh, for universities i applied for jobs i applied for visa i applied for green card i always joke and say i basically dated every american who ever crossed europe and it never worked out and then in the most unexpected moment an opportunity showed up and i just had a baby and my husband said this is so wrong and such the wrong moment right now and i said no no no, I'm, I'm I'm waiting for this since I'm five. We're going to do that now. Now the opportunity is here. And so nine days later, with a nine-day-old newborn, I was on a plane moving to the United States.
0: When you say you just had a baby, you meant,
1: I meant I was that in the day. hospital. I was in the hospital <laughs> that day. I can I can even give you the timestamps because all wow. parents know those are the timestamps. We remember at eight twenty, my daughter was born. At eight twenty four, my husband walked into the room and said, "I have a job offer in Pennsylvania," and wow. I said, "Okay, let's go." And he that, said, "No, no, no." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I have to say, if that were in like a a TV movie, I would think that is like so made up and unbelievable yeah <laughs> but that's your life looking
1: back it is but uh, luckily but you did I it. was and so f- full of hormones at this moment that I would have done anything <laughs> yes
0: and it's it is something you want to do for like 30 years so yeah. what was some of those like early challenges as you were you know w- did you did you continue in the world of HR when you got here or was that when you finally made the, some of the switch i don't know well, how long you've been doing what you do is it
1: well? Um, so, so first there was day nine, right? I, I moved yeah. to the United States. Ten, uh, day 10, I probably realized, Oh my god, what did I do? <laughs> right? And then, day 10 to day 360 or so, I was a mom first, and then, um, I, I tried to get back into a career and into a business, and honestly, realized that going back into HR and, and the corporate world is nothing I want to do here again, uh, nothing I want to start over uh, fully, so I might use my gifts and what I learned during my career and switch sides and go, for example, into the speaking training business. And here's one thing that I realized. At the very beginning, I made all the mistakes every business owner and every entrepreneur makes, right? Until I explored a network, a network that you and I both know because we are both part of it, the National Speakers Association, our people, and the moment I connected with them, first and foremost, everything changed. The moment I got involved in such a network where you have people who understand your problems, speak your language, and are part of that crazy world or industry or profession you might be part of. Everything changed. And the second thing was a very personal experience. It was a major turning point in my career because coming here, I thought that my language and my accent is a huge issue and it's going to be something that is going to hold me back. Because how how can you speak on a stage with that mess, right? With that American, Italian, French, German, something blurb coming out of my mouth. And uh, I will never forget, I got invited to um, a TV show to comment on the public persona and image of politicians. And when I watched the show in the evening, I thought to myself, oh my God, it sounds horrible, right? There are all those well-spoken poly- uh, experts, political experts, and they use those sophisticated um, words all the time. And in between, me. And it sounded horrible to me. So at the holiday party, long story short, I sit with the producer of that TV show and honestly ask him and said, why do you invite me again and again and again? I don't get it. I don't like it. I find it horrible with that accent in front of your camera for your audiences. And he said to me something that I will never forget, the greatest gift somebody ever gave me. And he said, that's the reason why we invite you because you sound like an international expert and you say things so simple that every single person in front of the TV understands you while they don't understand them. And so long story short, I encourage you, if you have such a turning point like I had, switching sides, switching industries, thinking that your biggest weakness might hold you back, it actually could be your greatest gift. It could be your greatest gift. You just need to know how to use it because nowadays I realize most audiences I speak to are international audiences. Companies pick me out from that pool of very traditional American speakers because they have that one that sounds like everybody else could sound in that room. Does that make sense? And it's
0: amazing. Right. It's unique, unique like value mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. offer. And you thought it was going to be this major hindrance.
1: Yes. And yes.
0: I again like thinking about first impressions, the you know, that that, that was your sort of fear, because obviously speech is a big part of that, like how people think of themselves, but also how they're perceived. Um, I could see it like being something that would in your head like be holding you back what a gift that they that producer then shared with you that it was why you're being chosen and then it like shifts everything right like you're like oh well then I'm great and today this is still a gift you're still able to speak in front of audiences that you're relatable
1: mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. like
0: some blonde midwesterner would probably not be as relatable yeah, to like yeah, yeah, this yeah. international audience you know someone who grew up like in Iowa you know like mm-hmm. um it's very different so I, I love this, and I have thought about this a lot because I am an outgoing extrovert, and I work a lot with people who are shyer and more, or more introverted. And actually, um, my coaching clients tend to be entrepreneurial women in their fifties and sixties. And mm. I've often got asked like, "How is <laughs> how is that possible?" And like, I totally get what it feels like to wonder whether you fit in, whether you belong. Like. And I'm I'm an out trans guy. I think being queer and being trans and like being in the world, you're you're like you know is this gonna be a space for me? Are people gonna welcome me? Doesn't matter that I'm outgoing. I mean I could fake it, but I can understand. And then I can take my gift of knowing how to move through a room, and translate it simply to let other people follow that in their own way. Not be like me. God knows we don't need more outspoken Mm -hmm. guys in the (laughs) world. Please. Um, So like I I think that in some ways you know. You're like, oh, well, this could might be a hindrance. How can I help people if they think of me as being like something they can never be? And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, actually, I'm a lot more like you than you think. Exactly. And, you know, I actually couldn't do that on my own. Someone reached out to help me write in it, like a, a welcome letter for my, my email. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, she just, mm-hmm. I didn't know she was interviewing me, but she basically was like, mm-hmm. oh, just call me. And mm-hmm. she recorded it secretly and then played it back for me. And that became the story that I share.
1: Yeah, so,
0: yeah. you know... I think what I'm also hearing from you is having outside perspective is really important.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I'm not sure if you ever watched um, one of my speaking videos, but you might see people uh, walking around with labels on their back in a lot of videos of, of my speaking performances, right? And uh, that's exactly what I offer people to explore an outside perspective from others, what they see in you, because very often we have a blind spot. We don't see how amazing we are. We don't know what we know, right? And that's why it's so difficult for many of us to toot our horn. And in Nowadays, world, it is important to toot your own horn, right? You 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 must have the ability to tell the world what you stand for and what your superpowers are. But not always do we see those superpowers ourselves. So sometimes it's good to get that input from the outside.
0: So I I'm really curious, given that I only know you in this like successful space. Like I I've been part of the National Speakers Association for five years. When I got there you were already very well established. I don't know. How long have you been part of NSA?
1: I'm part of NSA since five years. Same time, Five years? Yes. Gosh, but like, I felt
0: like as soon as I heard who you were, you were really well established. That's incredible to know. And also, boy, does that tell you about my own, like, this is how you have stuff in your own head, right? Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. I thought of you as being like, really like best friends with everyone, totally in, like you've been part of this space for a long time. That's truly incredible. And so... I, did you already know as you came in five years ago the image was going to be your thing? Like, how did that become your superpower? Because I've heard you do your talk. Is it? Do you stand there and count to seven? Is that? Yes. 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 So like, yes. Well, I've seen you. You get on stage, very mm-hmm. quiet, very mm-hmm. s- very small movements, and you very simply count to seven, mm-hmm. and we're all sitting there expectantly, and then you say, "What do you say?" You say. This is what people like make a decision about who you are?
1: Your brain just made up to 11 major decisions about me. So I let people experience the power of seven seconds. The reality just between the two of us and the audience doesn't matter if it's six seconds, <laughs> five seconds, two seconds. I just took one of the studies, right? Yeah. Seven seconds sounded great to me. But there is scientific proof that our brain automatically make specific decisions about others, depending on the occasion, right? So different uh, decisions when we are in a dating situation, then we are in a job interview situation, right? Um, so and I want them to, to, to feel that, to experience that, and to wonder what is she doing? Because also later in my talk, I reveal that uh, people remember you usually for the first 11 words, that you say in a, com- in a conversation. And again, it doesn't matter if it's 10 words, 12 words, but it's the first words. You really, when you want to make a great first impression, you need to consider what are the first words coming out of your mouth. And so very often speakers walk on stage and say, hi, here my name is Susan, whatsoever, and I speak about blah, blah, blah. And I always tell them, you know, they already know your name, that is not very impressive because it's on the agenda. Or they
0: spend five minutes thanking
1: everybody. <laughs> exactly. They haven't right? said anything
0: yet. They're like, "Thank
1: you so much for having
0: me here. Thank you for the venue. Thank you for the sponsors. Yeah. Thank you, the, sponsors. Thank you the AV guy." And you're like, "What? What? Uh, hey, so, yes, so exactly. where did image come from?
1: Oh, uh, image came from my leadership journey, from my own one. Yeah. Uh, to, to, two reasons. The first reason, I always was fascinated how often we invited people to chop interviews and they entered the room. They said all the things we wanted them to say. They behaved exactly the way we wanted them to behave. They even looked the way we wanted them to look. And we were just so blown away in the first moments that honestly, we ignored all the warning signals, hired them, and years later, we had to fire them because of a total lack of performance. And looking back, we realized, oh, we we should have known. But why we were so impressed by that person back then during that job interview situation, right? And on the other hand, we had so many young, ambitious people in our organization who could have done that job much better, probably. And for any reason, we didn't identify them as leadership material. For any reason, we didn't see them or they didn't make themselves visible for us that they would be an option too. And so I started to, to uh, hire image consultants for the top talents in our organization because I wanted them to help, or I wanted to help them to stand out, to be seen, to walk in every single room, into every single meeting as a confident, authentic, professional, and respectful leader. Who should be considered for any position that is a right fit for them in the organization? Wow. And I was fascinated with those transformations. I have to admit that image consulting has a very different uh, purpose in Europe than it has here. So there is a huge difference in, in, in the work field. Uh, but um, I was just so blown away by, by that transformation that at one point I looked at myself and realized, hmm. Maybe I have work to do too, right? And so I worked, su- worked with image consultants myself. And when I came here, I thought, why not switch sides and, you know, uh, study what uh, somebody has done to me or for me and to others and offer that.
0: You know, I, I have to say probably my own um, vision of who I thought you were really is based on how you present yourself. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I had no idea that probably in my first or second year that I met you, that it was your first or second year, too. You also, I have to acknowledge, it's more than you just showing up and and like looking the part. You've also taken on a tremendous number of leadership roles in there for a short amount of time. Um, You were the co-chair of the Winter Conference. You were the president Mm -hmm. of your local chapter in New York. Um, So like you dove in. Like, you didn't just, like, hop in and out here and there. I'm like, you committed to NSA.
1: But here's the thing, again, it's just a gift I received from somebody I think we both know. I might mention her name here um, in a moment. But when I walked into my first NSA meeting, I a short woman showed up, tapped me on my shoulder, and said, Hi, are you Solby? And I said, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she... Could you do me a favor and go to the door and welcome all the people? And I said, uh, "Yeah, but this is my first meeting here, right?" And she, "Don't worry, you're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine." Tapped my shoulder, walked away, and said, "By the way, I'm Tammy Evans, oh. a friend to we both share, right?" So I walked to the door and welcomed all the people. At this point, I didn't realize the incredible gift she gave me while I thought that I'm welcoming people, what she did for me is everybody met me. Yes. Right. Everybody met me, the new one. And so the next thing I know is she asked me simple things like, could you make a handout, right, for everybody? What I didn't realize I made a handout for that event, but everybody was holding my handout and everybody knew it's for me. Right. The next thing I know, she asked me if I could volunteer at the national conference influence that we have every year. And so I, so far, have never attended any influence. I have always volunteered. And every time I walk away with the gift of thousands of connections, Mm. thousands of connections of people who, like you might think, oh my God, she must be there since 20 years. But the reality is, I'm only there since five years, but I have learned from Tammy and from many, many other gifted and passionate volunteers. Go in there, give first, without any expectations to reach something in exchange, and you will receive so much more than you expected in exchange. Gosh,
0: I have goosebumps. Like, it's, it's, I mean... You are a great success story for the work that I'm teaching people to do. And, and it's, it's evident that it works, that you're having a lot of fun and you're meeting the best people because of it. Actually, I, that's my question. As you have expanded your network, which I recognize your network spans probably multiple continents at this point um, mm-hmm. and from different industries, right? And from different decades of your life and all mm-hmm. these different things. What are your habits, philosophies or practices around nurturing and sustaining connection, not just with your like closest circle, but like that second and third layer out the people that maybe you don't talk to all the time, but, you know, maybe it's once a year you them at this conference, maybe it's someone you worked with five years ago, but you really enjoy them. Like, do you regularly try to, to en- engage with people in one way or the other?
1: Well, the reality is probably I would need help from you at this point right? and ask you how to do that best because since my network is so global and around the world and so big and 90% in my professional world, I started to protect that inner circle like a mother hen, like a lion mom, right? And so... I do the opposite. I try to absolutely focus on that inner circle that includes my children, that includes my family, that includes my best friends. And some of them come from my professional world and try to not let anybody anytime in there. And therefore, my second, third, fourth circle sometimes has to suffer. I have a no social media role during the day, right? I, I get it all out in the morning. I'm there one hour on the phone, but then I stop connecting and reconnecting with people. And then sometimes I forget about it, right? Often people reach out to me via text message. And just because I try not to be on the phone during the day, to protect that inner circle from me constantly being distracted I forget about it and then some of those relationships may suffer. The fascinating thing, the relationships in the first and possibly in the second one, never suffer because it doesn't matter how often you reach out, you just reach out and it is like you have spoken the last time yesterday. So long story short and very honest answer, I probably would need your help and guidance in that because I'm not good at that. Well,
0: it sounds like though you've got some best practices in there around like a work life integration that or work-life balance is how some people might look at it, that many of us struggle with. And I think you being so focused on the who's in front of you is a gift that you're giving to those people, your presence. And you also, I feel like when you do go places, you show up in such a big way that that is very memorable and probably very long-lasting. I mean, one of the things that I work with people around is becoming a regular as quickly as possible. So thinking about Mm -hmm. your story and Tammy Evans and what she Know, offered you to do as soon you know if you go 3 times in 3 months and each time you show up you you get a little more involved maybe you come a little early maybe you stay a little late you help you help with something you offer you whatever it is you engage mm-hmm. it's like very quickly people now know who you are and what you're about if you like miss month 4 no one forgets you now if you went 3 times over a year but only every 4 months then every time you walked in, you'd be reintroducing yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. So in some ways, like what you're doing is when you show up, you make a really big, very concerted effort to be very present engaged, but you're not necessarily like trying to nurture that year round. And the relationships that it sounds like the relationships that at work are the ones where you just pick up. Like I have friends from junior high that you just kind of call each other. You know, like time passes, it doesn't matter. Um, and other people were like it's just like laborious to, to stay in touch because they require such maintenance.
1: <laughs> so there is also a tool which from, comes from my work background and, and my expertise that when you show up, you must make sure that you stand out that you stand out, for the, but for the right reasons, not for the wrong reasons, right? When you enter a room, people should notice that you are there. When I do that label exercise with people in, in, in my sessions where they all get labels on the back, sometimes I have people who don't get labels on their back, right? And I challenge them and ask them, what just happened? You walked through a room with 500 people, You all had 30 labels, so chances are high that you should have 30 labels on your back and they only have one or two. And then I explained to them that there is a chance that they blend in. And especially in a corporate environment or business environment, you never want to blend in. You want to stand out for all the right reasons. And you can use tools like your visual appearance, your body language, your voice, the way you enter a room that people notice you that you are there.
0: I love it. That is such an easy takeaway to implement the next time you walk into a space. It's like being really aware of how you show up. And the fact that you show up at all, like I think some people arrive logistically, but they don't show up. They're like so checked out that they're going through the motions and they I mean that's really hard to then I don't know. Get anything of value out of that experience. Like you're just you're there, but that's about it. And no one would probably know that you were there. <laughs> you could have just like did this from home. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you stay in a webinar. You don't have to like go somewhere. So I love the idea, the physicality of being present. Um, I also wanted to share with you a little, a very exciting update. I bought my first custom suit this year.
1: Oh my God! I know. It's that is Clark exciting. Influence. Tell us more. Well,
0: Dory Clark is more. an influence; uh, yeah. has influenced me in so many ways in mm-hmm. the last decade. But she basically was like, "It's an investment. Go do it." And I got shirts, and I got you know the little monograms, like cuffs, and like the, it's a blue suit, it's a three-piece suit, and I'm I'm hey, I'm gonna wear it in my TEDx talk when that comes to happen, yeah. um, oh. which I'm pretty excited about. It'll so be coming up two months from when, so uh, about about the time this comes comes out, actually, I think about a month later. So. um Super, super excited to be talking to you about this. I have a, I have a wrap-up question, which is one of my favorite questions, Sylvie. When we're connecting a year from now, and one of the things I love is that I know I'm going to keep seeing you because I am going to influence every single year. Um, when we do get connect together, what are we going to be celebrating from last year? What are you? What are we celebrating for you in particular? What are we? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead?
1: So, well, first of all, I just moved my entire family from New York City to Florida, and that is such an amazing change and new lifestyle and such a different pace, and everybody's so happy, and I just want to enjoy it as long as possible. And I think what I'm going to celebrate personally in one year is that I took a break and that i didn't know how much i needed the break until i had it until i was in it while i love every single day in new york city and i love that city it it is quite a hustle in there you are always kind of you know up and running and you don't even notice and so in one year oh my god i'm going to be another another person, I feel, because again, if you don't take care of yourself, people don't think you have the ability to take care of others. And um, other than that, you and I, in one year, we are going to celebrate another milestone in my volunteer and leadership journey, because in one year, I have the big honor to co-host Influence 2020 in Washington, D.C., And I cannot wait what lessons are waiting out there for me in the universe that I'm going to learn during that journey. Because I always say, being a leader in an organization where you get a paycheck at the end of the month and where you give others a paycheck is easy. If you ever want to learn how to lead in real life without the paycheck involved, become involved in a nonprofit organization. And go on a leadership journey there. I've learned my best lessons on that path, and I cannot wait which lessons are waiting there.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there are many. I'm very, very impressed that you're doing it. I'm excited. I can't wait to support you in doing it. Uh, how can everyone find you and follow your work?
1: Uh, you can find me on the internet. Wherever you type in my not-so-easy name, Sylvie Di Giusto, or any variation with any typos of it, you're going to probably stumble over uh, my website and there are all the links to my books, to my social media accounts, to my contact form. And whenever I can help with anything, please do not hesitate to reach out to me because um, Robbie's friends are my friends.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, we'll have links to your website, your LinkedIn, your Twitter, your book, of course, all on the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Sylvie, thank you so much for this amazing conversation.
1: What a nice schmooze it is. You must Google what schmooze in German means and then we're going to meet again. (laughs) Okay, sounds good.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sylvie. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share it resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 169. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as over 160 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page, Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. As I mentioned, my TEDx talk is later this month on November 23rd at TEDx Beacon Street in Boston, Massachusetts. It's a truly impressive lineup of over 40 speakers, including a survivor of the Holocaust, the First Lady of Iceland, a Celtics player, a former colleague of Steve Jobs, and me. I would love you to join me if you're in the area. Tickets are free, but going fast. And there's also an option to watch virtually. You can learn more and register at TEDxBeaconStreet.com. If you enjoyed this episode with Sylvie, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at iTunes.OnTheSchmooze.com. Thank you in advance. and look forward to connecting again next week. We'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming a successful leader. Until then, have an amazing week.
1: Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's on the schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.